0: All right. We're back in the game. <laughs> back in the game. <laughs> Welcome to the Robcast. This episode is called Awareness of Awareness. I'm in here with my esteemed
1: colleague, Trace Bell. It's great to be here. But wait, hold on. What Robcast number is this, though? Uh, it's probably 304 Oh, my gosh. Like I said last time I was on the Robcast, you're just patting your stats at this point. Like... <laughs>
0: Oh, so Robcast peoples, Trace and I have uh, started something at the beginning of this year called Saturday School, where the first Saturday of each month, we do a, a live class online. And we've done three of them now. The next one is May 1st. You can register at my site. And so we were thinking, let's do a Robcast and take from the first three sessions that we did, let's take the greatest hits. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean yeah 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 because um, we love talking about this and um and also we should put a pin in this for the end of this episode traces you have some new stuff coming up on living the spiral
1: yep new stuff on spiral dynamics at the end yeah. of
0: last year trace and i did a series called me we and everybody in which we introduce people to states and stages of unfolding development and consciousness all that um but you're taking people through it. Yeah, yeah. You got a new thing.
1: I've been I've been working with people through this through Saturday School, um, and and talking with with lots of people about this material. And, and spiral dynamics is something that that comes up a lot, and is something that people really want to talk about. Yeah. Um. And it's it's been something that's impacted my life so much, and it's been so fun to watch. Um. Other people have that same experience, and other people be interested in it. So I just I wanted to put together uh, an experience, a, a multi session experience where It's actually like a a journey that that people go on with me through learning the spiral and integrating it um, because it lots of times gets stuck as sort of an intellectual exercise and a labeling game and it's actually about using the spiral to live these different right. aspects of right. consciousness and the spaces and, and, that we're
0: all inhabiting. Yeah. Like yeah. all the time.
1: And, and integrate it. And, um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think what I put together is, is, is really great. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to take people through this and okay. So that's all at your site. Yes. All my site at tracebell.com and that's bell with three L's. So T R A C E B E L L com. Um, you and if, go. you google, if you google my name just trace bell my site's also the first one that pops up which is oh, pretty look cool at the, look yeah. at the expression on your face yeah because i've just every time i go to my site i just type it in like trace bell on the google and then like <laughs> it's just so i can get the, that more of the like it just makes it my thing pop up uh quicker <laughs> insider tricks are uh, and then there's like uh kids thing yes and then i have a i'm doing another um teaching um slash class called uh how to talk to your kids about spirituality um which is just going to be a a one off um it's going to i'm offering it three times um it's just gonna be like a one off zoom where um i talk about my experience growing up in this household what my spiritual journey has been like and and the environment that um you and mom created that, <laughs> that the, the environment that you created allowed me to explore, um, myself and have my own s- uh, spiritual journey rather than just pushing things on me. Cause it's, it's really important. Um, the future of human evolution is going to be a spiritual evolution. So the next generations, um, the next generations, uh, spirituality is, is, is obviously really important and creating a, creating a container for where the, the young kids are allowed to, to grow into spirituality and explore, explore themselves is, is really, really important. Um, so this is this is my teaching in class about uh, uh, how to talk to your kids about spirituality and, and what spirituality means for for kids and parents. That's
0: fantastic. Yeah. So that is just fantastic. So now we we should jump into this. Yeah. We should also say what we've been teaching in Saturday school is completely different than the series that we did last year about those stages and states and spiral dynamics and all that stuff. Yeah. Like this awareness of awareness is a... Com- it's like a it's like we're going for the mother load, it feels like.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, this there's...
0: thing that we're doing for this whole year. Um, so so let me see if I can state it clearly and then you add you tell me because I sense you have an even better ways of talking about this. You and I see that the fundamental way people understand who they are and this experience that we are that we are having, it's almost like the Western the modern world is living on a flat earth. Mm-hmm. and yeah. doesn't realize it and there's a coming revolution in understanding that the act the world's actually round yeah and you and i are trying to take a year to say this this is the shift that's coming yeah it sometimes feels to me like we're a, like it's a decade or it's 10 to 20 or 30 years that this giant shift is coming yeah yeah you, that, do you have that sense oh absolutely there's there's a massive paradigm shift that's, Ma- that's so massive that's, yeah. it will make the Copernican revolution of the earth being the center of the universe to the, actually the earth is not yeah or a flat earth it will make all those revolutions and paradigm shifts yeah. look small
1: yeah because because the the paradigm shift of a, a flat earth to a round earth was obviously a big 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 revolution and and, and big paradigm shift but it also was. Um, the, the realizing that the earth is actually round instead of being flat actually doesn't impact your life tremendously. It's, it's a new way to look at the solar system in the world, but it doesn't impact your life tremendously. This paradigm shift that we're talking about is a massive spiritual paradigm shift that actually has massive implications for how we live our lives and, and relate to each other. Um, and this is going to be a a paradigm shift. That's going to really be the marriage of science and spirituality. It's like you see science, spirituality, philosophy. Um, Religion—it's like there's all these se- seemingly separate sort of um, right. areas that are going to uh, converge, and there's going to be a way that they converge, and it's just going to yeah a, a, a massive shift in how we relate to one another, how we how we understand who we are, um, and it's we're living at a very fascinating time in in human history, um, yeah, and, and seeing where it's going um, is going to be really
0: like I've been talking about everything is spiritual for. Or whatever 15 years, but I was like orbiting. I realize now <laughs> I was like pointing to it and getting little pieces of it, knowing that I was touching on something. Yeah, insane. Everything is spiritual that involved quantum physics, that involved mysticism, that involved empiricism, that involved your body, that involved words like sacred and holy, that involved the scientific revolution of the past 500 years. I feel like I was touching on bits and pieces of it. Like, that's a tail. That's a trunk. That's feet. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a large animal in this. But but just you and I last year, when we really started seeing all this, and then when we started teaching it earlier this year, it was like, oh, I find myself where I was like, oh, you were just like flirting with the outer edges of it.
1: Yeah. that's how I feel about well, what I've been and, trying to say and you were doing what like a lot of spiritual teaching is is pointing to the truth because you can't actually the yeah the truth and, right. and and what we are actually transcends words so you have to get creative as possible and that's I think with your work that's what you were doing is you were using words and speaking in such a creative and uh such a creative way that was pointing at this truth that we that you knew deep down yeah um, without actually just like ex- like explicitly Laying it out because you can't really do that. You know what I mean. You have to use words, and there's there's an inherent limitation to words. So you have to use words in a in a creative way that that points to it as skillfully as possible. Other people can have the experience. Okay, so
0: this what we're gonna do here is we're gonna take the first three sessions we did. So that's like four and a half five hours of teaching you and I did so far this year, and we're gonna give people some greatest hits. Yeah, we're just gonna go. We're gonna just dip in here and there. And show people, and then of course invite you to, well, the next one's what, May 1st, invite you to the next Saturday school. So let's start with the thing you did first session about Young Trace. Yeah. Because that feels to me like a great way to get in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, ever since I've been a little kid, I've had this aspect of reality that seemed to just sort like totally mystify me and totally... Um, it felt like it was. It sort of tugged on my soul. It was like this, like question that I couldn't put my finger on. I couldn't even articulate as a kid. But it was like something that was like just sat at the heart of experience for me. Like, what is that? And I describe this. A phrase I use to describe this is the the me behind the me. There's there's trace, and there's this whole trace experience. And I'm interacting in the world as trace, and people are calling me trace. But there's there's an there's an awareness I've always had that's aware of Trace. There's some awareness that's aware of my experience. There's some awareness that's aware of everything that's going on that's also aware of Trace. So a way that this would sort of manifest when I was a kid was I would, one of my favorite things to do was I would um, sit in my room and listen to music. Um, and as I was listening to music, there would there was just this question that popped up in my head, which is, who is actually the one experiencing this music? Because if I say it's just sitting here in my room listening to music, listening to music in my headphones, if I say it's Trace that's listening to music, there's also an awareness that's aware of Trace. And the awareness that's aware of Trace in this whole Trace experience is also aware of, music, of the music that's playing as well. Like there's some, there's some awareness that's aware of my entire experience that it can't just be Trace because it's aware of Trace. It was like, I, that's why I say the me behind the me. It was like there was, this, there was this deeper sense of identity that was aware of this body and mind that's Trace that I just couldn't put my finger on. It was like, what is this? And and the real existential crisis I had when I was a kid was the idea that I was just this human body. I was born into the world on this date, and I exist in this lifetime for this specific amount of time, and then this body and brain dies, and then it's the experience is over. Like The, the idea that my identity was just confined to just this one body and brain was like, was the real existential crisis? It didn't. It, it didn't feel right. It didn't sit right. I was like, there, ha- there, there's some deeper identity here. There's some deeper identity that's aware of the identity of Trace, um, and that's what. And and it's it's a question that I couldn't really articulate as a kid. I wasn't going around as a nine or ten year old going like, who is this this awareness that's aware of Trace? You know, it was it was one of those like questions that sits deeper even than like a question that just rests in the mind. It was like a question that sat in the heart, which is. There is some me that's aware of this body and brain. There's some awareness that's aware of Trace, and that feels more like me than Trace does. I still am interacting in the world as Trace, but there's a me that feels more like, like me than Trace does. Like the a me who can step back and see that even your name
0: is the name given. It's real. There is a Trace that has a name yeah. who was born in 1998. But there's a there is a something to the self that can even see, can step back and observe even that. Yeah, it's like like a drone shot. Yeah, they can just fly up a little higher. Yeah, and they can fly up a little higher. Yeah, and then they can fly up a little higher. It's also funny when you said that uh, when someone's like, "Oh, well, you you're born and you just have a few years here and then it's over," and something like within us, you know what I mean? Who says who? <laughs> or I mean, you're here and then it just flies by and then that's it. No, it's not. <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. Even the idea when people do that, like you got one life, you better do something with it, is absurd. Yeah. The yeah. idea that who you are began and ends simply with your body on this planet yeah. in the space-time yeah. continuum. That's that's such an unbelievable leap of that is a crazy leap to make,
1: actually. Yeah. And it's actually a it's actually a la- to me, it feels like a lack of creativity about reality. The idea that that to to sort of pin us in this box in which what we are just exists for this finite limited period of time and then it's done is like a severe, it's underestimating reality. Yes. And it's actually yes. a fundamental lack of creativity and a lack of Possibly, incredibly naive, and presents itself as wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it presents itself as an objective sort of reality. Like this is the rational view. You are born as this <laughs> human body, and you exist th- for this time, and then you're done. And then, but that's the that's sort of the baseline in yeah. society. That's the the rational view, but it's actually a uh, really uncreative and, and limited so, worldview.
0: So a number of these assumptions that people have about space and time and bodies and birth and death are actually assumptions. They're almost religious in nature. They're so unreflective and unthinking and then present themselves as just obvious. Mm-hmm. So what you and I, in some ways, what, what you and I are, the mission you and I are on is, is to turn the lights on and say, no, there is a self that is aware of and witnesses to even this phenomenon of life itself. hmm Um, I should do my two questions for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Trace touched on listening to music and realizing there was a self he could step back into some sort of deeper, truer, wider Mm -hmm. Trace who could see himself having the experience of the music. Yeah. Okay, so two questions for you, Robcast friends. Two questions. First question, can you hear me talking? Yeah, because the answer was yes, correct? (laughs) Trace, this is such a dumb exercise, but I love it because it's so rudimentary and simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so when I asked you, can you hear me talking? And I assume your answer was yes. What you did in that moment is you were aware of your hearing. You became aware of you hearing my voice coming through the speakers, coming through the headphones. Now, hearing is a sense. So your sense of hearing is something that is happening within the larger self that you are. Okay, now, question number two. What was the first question? (laughs) What was the first question? Well, notice what just happened. When I asked you question number two, what's the first question, you thought back in time to the first question, and what came up was, well, the first question was, can you hear me talking? So in the first question, what you did is you were aware of your sense of hearing. In the second question, you were aware of your mind looking back in time to that sense of hearing. So you are aware of your mind. Your senses are something happening within the larger phenomenon that we know to be you. Your mind and your thinking are activities that are happening within this larger phenomenon we know to be you. For so many people, thoughts are everything emotions are everything senses are everything and so life is lived at the mercy of whatever the particular sensory perceptive experience they're having is you're angry well then i'm i'm angry as opposed to anger is something happening within a larger sense
1: of self does that summarize it that that, that was beautiful and yeah i think that what that exercise demonstrates is that you, you're you're aware of sounds, and then when you did ask the question, what was the you asked the question, what was the first question? You something comes up in your mind, so you're aware of thoughts, you're aware of sounds, you're aware of thoughts, and then you're aware of feelings. Like you said, like if you're angry, yeah. Instead of I am angry, I'm aware of the feeling of anger. So there's sounds, sensations, perceptions, thoughts. Um, all of these are appearing to you. But you don't say, we never you don't say that I am a thought, I am a sound, I am a feeling, I am a perception. You don't associate with any of those. All those are actually appearing to you. So what is that you that all those things are appearing to and appearing in? And that's what we're that's what we're talking about when we're talking about awareness and this this investigation is who is the one that all these things are happening to? Because you always stay right here. you are always, you don't come and go with your thoughts. Your sense of identity doesn't, doesn't leave when your thoughts disappear. You always stay right here. Your thoughts come and go, come and but go. your sense of identity is right here. Now, um, for
0: many people, we're calling this awareness. Some people will call this consciousness, peer being, different name. We're, yeah. we're just going to keep this word awareness. So yeah. if we were to te- ask you this awareness that you have, if you were to describe... This awareness? How would you describe your sense of pure being, your sense of awareness? Would you say, is it slippery? Is it red? Is it loud? No, those are all senses, perceptions, emotions, colors, textures, shapes that are happening within your awareness. (laughs) This is the part where people. Yeah, I you love and this I, one. You and I love this part because this yeah. is the part people realize. See, the conditioning of the modern world, its starting point was objects. It started with, well, what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure? It, well, you have a body. Here's the world. Here are facts. Here is science. Here is uh, your memories. But that's not actually the starting point. The starting point is... The only absolute is that you have a sense of awareness. I have a sense of awareness. Trace has a sense of awareness. And everything we have ever experienced happened within that. Now, stay with us because we're going to take this a lot farther. But when we ask, how would you describe your awareness? Everything that you have ever experienced, you experienced within your awareness So, your awareness, everything has happened within it, and yet
1: it has no qualities. Yeah. So, the definition of quality is a distinctive characteristic or attribute. So, you think about anything that you can, anything that we can identify in our experience has some sort of quality. So, if the the sky the the feeling of uh the feeling of the computer in front of me there's a, there's some sort of quality to it there's some sort of distinctive characteristic this that, over and against that this over against that we only can identify something because it has a distinctive characteristic because it has some sort of quality now awareness like you just said awareness has no quality because awareness is what's aware of all qualities so all, notice that all qualities or anything that you've been able to identify, any distinctive characteristic or attribute you've been able to identify has happened within your awareness. All experience that you've experienced has happened within this awareness. So all, all, all characteristics, all attributes, all qualities have happened within awareness, which is no quality. So awareness, which is... <laughs> which is no quality is also the space. I'm using sort yeah. of quotes right the here. This, emptiness. The emptiness. The emptiness in which all qualities have appeared within. So this this awareness, which is no quality, because awareness is that which is aware of all qualities. So by definition, can't have a quality because it's what's aware of all qualities. <laughs> <laughs> so awareness is this beautiful totality in which it's both no quality And all qualities at the same time. All qualities have appeared within it, but it doesn't actually have any quality. Now, let's take that and push
0: it just a touch farther. Because what Trace is pointing out is whatever it is about who you are, who I am, who Trace is, that is able to witness to these experiences that we're having, this pure awareness, this pure being, there is, it cannot be located and cannot be described because that's what happens within it. Mm-hmm. So it is both nothing and all qualities and no quality. It is both nothing and everything. Yeah,
1: another way to, another way to say no quality is to use the word nothing. If something has no quality, it has no distinctive characteristic or attribute. Now, that's what we when we refer to the word nothing, we're referring to nothing is the lack of anything. That's the what the word nothing means is the lack of anything. So the lack of any quality would be nothing. So no quality is the same as saying nothing. So this thing, this awareness, which is nothing because it has no quality, it has no distinctive character characteristic or attribute that we can identify it by, is also where everything has happened within. Every experience you've had, everything in life has happened within your awareness, has happened within. Any experience anyone's ever had has happened within their awareness. So this awareness that's no quality and nothing is also where everything has happened within. So awareness is both nothing, but also everything at the same time. It's, it's, it holds both of these, this, this paradox, it holds this paradox beautifully because it's, it's, you can't put your finger on it, you can't describe it, you can't give it any sort of characteristic, but it's also when everything and all characteristics have happened within. It's both nothing and everything.
0: Now, let's take a minute with those words, my friends. How would you define the word nothing? If I said to you, explain to me what do you mean by nothing? Well, a thing... If it's nothing, then it's no thing. Well, how would you define a thing? A thing has boundaries. A thing has edges. It's a pen. It's this microphone I'm talking into. It's the curry I'll have for dinner. It's the shirt you're wearing. For something to be a thing, it has boundaries and edges that make it distinct from the things around it. So for something to be nothing... It would have to have no boundaries or edges or borders or boundaries. So so the definition of nothing is that which contains no borders, boundaries, or edges that distinguishes it from everything else. Now, let's go from the word nothing. What then would be a definition of the word everything? Well, if you're speaking of everything then nothing could be outside of everything because at that point, everything wouldn't be everything. So everything, when you're describing everything, what you're saying is everything is that which has no boundaries or edges because the moment everything had boundaries or borders or edges, you're not now talking about everything because there's something outside of it. It's every possible thing. It's every possible thing, which means you can't, there can't be any property lines. There can't be any boundaries to it, because then you wouldn't be talking about everything. So when we talk about nothing, and we talk about everything, those appear to be two completely different realities, and yet they both have the same exact definition, nothing and everything, that which has no borders, boundaries, or distinctions that separate it from anything else. Yeah. So when we talk about you, when we talk about your sense of self, that you who can step back and observe and witness and see and is aware of you having this experience called life, what we know about this awareness is both all qualities and no qualities. It is both nothing and yet everything central to this paradox is a unity and a oneness that exists central to who you are.
1: Yeah, and just real quick on the, on the nothing and everything, because I, I, uh, I love this one. Um, another word, when you said everything, and we said everything is every possible thing, another word for that is infinity yes or or, uh, infinite yes so infinity is every possible thing it's infinity has no no boundaries because infinity is completely infinite it's every possible thing and every possible um outcome and and every every possible thing that could ever be included exists within infinity so infinity has no infinity has no limits so infinity has no thing within it to limit it. Infinity has no limits or constraints, no boundaries. Infinity is, is boundaryless. Now, when we talk about the definition of nothing, nothing has no thing within it. There's no thing to limit. There's no thing in nothing to limit it. There's actually no boundaries in nothing. So you see how nothing and infinity obviously seem like, they seem like opposites. There's nothing and then infinity. Infinity would be Every possible thing, nothing would be no things, but actually, those appear to be two. Those appear to be separate. Those appear to be a duality. But when we actually investigate the nature of both of those words, we actually find they have the same definition, or actually the, referring to the same. And I hate to use this word thing. Yeah, you can't say thing. You can't say thing. <laughs> Again, we're 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 getting into how words can be so tricky. But uh, we, we should also say in every
0: mystical intellectual tradition in describing ultimate reality, the wisest ones always end up, you think about emptiness in Buddhism, you think about Kabbalah, you think about Torah, you think about all the yogic traditions, end up with some conceptual space called emptiness, nothingness, um, spaciousness. Yeah. Um, the formless after all forms. Yeah. Um, All great spiritual traditions, when they reflect on ultimate nature at some point, you'll often find God is nothing, Mm -hmm. meaning the ultimate cannot be a thing Mm -hmm. because then it's an object like every other object. Yeah, it's limited and finite. By the way, those of you who can't do any form of organized religion it's because you, whether you realize it or not, you spotted its, like, kill switch. Yeah. Is you realized it kept naming this object yeah. God, insisting God was different than everything else, but that God is just an object like everything else. Yeah,
1: yeah. And when and when you, you, you just beautifully talked about um, emptiness and nothingness, now, everyone that's listening right now, if you just real quick, just feel into your awareness and just sink into that, that awareness. Can you, can you, I I, I love this exercise. Can you actually feel, what does your awareness actually feel like? Is it, it, you can almost sink, you can sink back into yourself and almost feel like a, like a void, like a, like an emptiness. Your awareness almost feels like a, like an emptiness. So when we're talking clean, talk- uncluttered, so, so spacious. Exactly. It's almost like I always felt like it was just like an emptiness that was almost I was perceiving the world through this emptiness. So when we talk about nothing and, and emptiness and, and this isn't some just words and abstractions. This is actually something you can you can feel right now in your direct experience. Actually sink back into your own awareness and become aware of being aware and feel what that awareness feels like. Does it feel like it's limited and finite or does it actually feel like it's um boundary-less and and empty really this is this is an investigation that you 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 go on yourself rather than just listening and and you know hearing a bunch of words this is actually something that you you feel within yourself and explore within yourself um
0: okay we should do a bit on time and location yeah yeah okay uh, um i'll start the time one then you jump in yeah yeah cool okay so now this pure awareness That is the you behind the you behind the you. Now, think of a memory from the past. Uh, Where did you live when you were 10 years old? Now, to answer that question that I just asked you, where did you live when you were 10 years old? You reached, even once again, language fails, but you reached back into your memory. You recalled you remembered where you were living when you were 10 years old. But you did not do it in the past. What you just did was in the present. So what we call a memory only is available to us in the present moment. You couldn't go back in time. You were only able to remember it here and now. So everything that happened in the past is right here with you right now. You don't go back there. To recall simply means to bring up which is present here and now. Now, where do you think you'll be living in 10 years? Now, what happened when I asked you that question? Where do you think you'd be living in 10 years? Well, you thought ahead 10 years to and imagined maybe exactly where you're living now, maybe somewhere else, maybe you dream of Idaho, whatever that looks like. Everything about the future can only be accessible to you in the present moment so you're only ever able to be now because to your pure awareness time is a the mind basically constructed time to make sense of the unfolding of events but you only have ever been able to be
1: now hmm all we know of time is a thought that's occurring <laughs> right now now if that sounds weird you might just need to think about that one and sit with it a little bit but all we know of time all, all our only conception of time is just a thought that's appearing in the now any memory or any any thoughts about the past are a thought that's taking place right now and any thoughts about the future or anticipation about the future is a thought that's taking place right now. We've only known this one now that's always been here, and the, the thoughts and time are just something that's appeared right Coming now. thoughts about the past
0: and the present are sensory perceptions and ideas and concepts and memories and anticipation that only ever comes and goes from an eternal, infinite now that is the only place you've ever been. By the way, side note, right now, obviously, Trace and I are just talking straight science. I mean, Albert Einstein said time is a persistent illusion. Uh, You and I love Carlos Ravelli. His order of Mm -hmm. time is like what we now know from science is that time, there is no universal now. On a different planet, there is no way to even establish a cohesive series of time. We know that if you're wearing a watch and you go up and live on a mountain and your friend stays in the valley and wears a watch, your watch is going to run faster because you're farther from the center of the earth and gravity deeply affects time slowing and speeding up and slowing down So this is all just straight observations about what we know. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take this about time and let's move to location. If I were to ask you listening to this episode right now where you are, you would say here. If I said, are you there? You would say, I'm here. You would not say, I'm there. You would say, I'm here. But what's interesting is as I'm recording this, I'm here. You've only ever been here. So you might say Toledo or Berlin or Papua New Guinea. You might give us a physical location, but the name that you give it beyond its name on the planet, the name you've only ever been able to give your location is here. You've never been anywhere other than here. Yeah. Yeah. So locations and all of the different locations you've been to in your life are actually constructs. They exist, obviously, the planet. And yet they have simply come and gone from an awareness that has only ever been here now. How are we doing so far? I love it.
1: I, this this is one of my favorite cuz I, I love the the here and now are two things that have never left you. This this the sense of being here and this 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 now moment are always constant and they have never left you. You've never experienced the disappearance of this now moment and the reappearance of this now moment. There's a stable awareness, there's a that 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 stable presence of awareness that just remains constant. And it's that that sense of presence that we all have that is right here, right now, and has never gone anywhere. We all are referring to, when we refer to our experience, we refer to right now and we refer to here. And we also refer to the name we give all of ourselves is I. We refer to I. I am right here. I am experiencing right now. So there's the same name that we give all of ourselves there's we have different bodies different minds different personalities but there's this there's this awareness that's aware of all those things that's always right here always right now and we all we refer to it as i who is that i that's always here always right now and that was the thing when i say as a kid Um, I was perplexed by this aspect of reality. I was perplexed by this awareness that's aware of Trace. I was trying to find out who that awareness is. What I really am saying is I was trying to find out who I am. Who is that I that's always right here that experiences Trace? Who is that I that is hearing the music and experiencing Trace? Um, And that was the, the, the journey was actually who am I rather than what is this what is this awareness or what is this aspect of reality? It's, it's, a, it's a journey into who am I? Who is this, this I that we all refer to? Now, let's take that because
0: the fundamental starting point of the modern world is separate objects. So uh, who are we? What does it mean to be human? What's happening here? the conditioning that we've all been given um, is you have your name, I have my name, there's this planet, there are these bodies, there are these uh, rock, trees, stones, planets. The starting point is separate objects. But that's not actually truly the starting point. The starting point is this absolute that every one of us knows, which is I am. Mm-hmm. That's the starting point. I am, and then within this sense of awareness, I am I am here now, all of these things have been coming and going and happening. Mm-hmm. So for example, your body is made carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, all the usual stuff that everything around you is made. Our bodies are actually stardust, exploding stars. So, and then to keep your body going, you eat from the earth. You take the earth and put it in your body, and that's how your body continues to be a body. So this body that you have is made of the same stuff as everything around you, pretty much, Uh, especially life forms, carbon-based life forms. But then, Every roughly seven years, your body replaces itself because your cells are constantly dying and new cells are being born. So, if I met you seven years ago and I meet you now, I'm meeting physically a different you, give or take a few neurons. So, for many people, the conditioning of the modern world is what do we know for sure? Well, I have my body, and then there may or may not be soul, spirit, things happening within my body, that I feel connected to other people. I dream of big things. I, as opposed to the truth, which is your body is something that has been coming and going from you. In the same way that your thoughts come and go from you, your body is this physical phenomenon that is constantly coming and going and reconstituting itself from you you. Mm -hmm. So what appears to be permanent, well, obviously I've had a body, I've had a body the whole time. Uh, actually you've had a temporary arrangement that was remarkably consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happens for many people is their sense of identity. Who am I is all over the place and their understanding of the body and the physical world is seen to be a fairly stable, concrete reality. When actual fact of observance about what it means to be human is that the body and the physicality is the thing that's constantly temporary and coming and going and you this deeper sense of you is the only thing that's ever been consistent
2: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah and 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 you you the the body coming and going from the body is constantly a process that's coming and going from you. Like you talk about how the body is changing on a cellular level, right? Every seven every seven years. So if I see you constantly. If see I, if I haven't seen you in seven years and I and I see um you. I, I, Your body has literally changed. Honestly, it's not the same body that I was experiencing seven years ago, but I still refer to you as you. There's still a sense of identity that has remained constant despite the fact that the body has literally changed completely. And you will still say, I am here now. And you will still refer to that I. So who is that I that remains constant despite the fact that the body has changed completely? And does that I reside in the body? Does that I come from the body If how can that I that remains constant come from the body if the body is the one changing? So there's there's the body is coming going and a process that's changing that's that's appearing to that I and now an experience now an exercise that has really been mind blowing for me is actually trying to locate that I where that I where that sense of awareness is because we typically believe um, because of our senses because our senses are localized. I, my eyes are right here, my ears are really close to my eyes, my nose is right here. So all my senses are localized right here. So it feels like that sense of awareness is resting somewhere in the skull behind the eyes. It feels like what we are is something that's in the body. It's like right behind the eyes. yeah like
0: where are you? I'm um, probably somewhere in the back of my head. So
1: probably somewhere in the back of yeah. the head. That's what it feels like. yeah. but if we if we feel that if we feel that location and we feel ourselves to be there, notice that there's always that same awareness is aware of that location that you've pinpointed that awareness in. So when we, when we try to, when we think we reside somewhere behind the eyes in the skull, we're locating and pinpointing that awareness. We're, we're saying it's, it's right here. It's inside the, inside the skull, it's right behind the eyes, but that's a location that we've given that awareness. We've pinpointed that awareness, but notice that awareness is aware of that location you've pinpointed in it. So you, so the point of this exercise and this this demonstration is to show that that awareness is actually so much more elusive than we normally think. We we think it resides somewhere here and we've pinpointed it, but it's actually elusive because any point we've pinpointed that awareness, there's an awareness that's aware you can of become that aware location, of that pinpoint. of that location. So that awareness, again, like we've talked about, how it's nothing. It's we can't actually pinpoint. We can't give a, a location to that nothingness, to that emptiness, um, like we normally th- like we normally thought. So, uh, so this is this is showing that like what you are is fundamentally so much more a mystery than a lot of people think. And that's and that's the 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 tragedy of um, a lot of the way that that modern society thinks and 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 culture, the paradigm that we're in thinks is it is it takes these mysterious mystifying aspects of reality and just explains away with this answer you are a brain you are somewhere in the head it's just like there's concrete it gives concrete answers when it's actually fundamentally so much more mysterious and magical than that it's actually what you are is something that can't be pinpointed is something that can't be described with words you aren't actually just somewhere existing in a body the body is actually a process that's unfolding within you um, because we can't locate that awareness directly somewhere in the body, but all we know of the body is what's appeared in that awareness. So you see that that there's a, there's a subtle, there's a shift there, and that's not actually, scratch that, it's not subtle. There's a, there's, a, there's a big perspective flip here, which is you are not something that exists within the body. The body is something that exists and unfolds within you. The body is something that unfolds within your awareness rather than your awareness existing somewhere in the body.
0: So you can see, if you begin to understand the self behind the self, the pure being, the I amness, the eternal, infinite, indestructible I am-ness at the core of your being, is there cancer? Yes. Is there physical pain? Yes. Is it too hot, too cold? Is there actual injustice? Is there priest brutality? Absolutely. And yet... There is a you that is you and a me that is me that resides deeper, uh, I don't know, truer, fuller, Yeah. um, beneath. See, once again, language doesn't... You you know, I was talking about that language, yeah, everything's got built in. You're like,
1: like, "Ah, I'm trying to... I gotta use words, but these words ugh. language and words is something that's appearing within us. So yes. it's, this is we're talking about you transcend language and words because language and words actually appear in you. You are the one that's aware of language and the words. Yes. So to try to describe you with those with the language and words which appears in you is going to we're trying to describe something that's inherently we're trying to describe the unlimited with words and language which is inherently limited. So um, you
0: can see then you've heard me in Well, over 300 episodes talking about being grounded and centered. What I'm referring to is your connection with the you behind the you behind the you. The you that can observe the pain. The you that can see you feeling the betrayal. So to have a vibrant sense of self is to both have these very real human experiences, aches and pains, and yet to see them coming and going, to see them happening within a larger sphere of self. So you're more and more grounded in that self. So that means you're less and less clinging to your accomplishments, to your resources, to what people think of you to determine whether you measure up or not, Mm -hmm. whether you're worthy or not. Notice that place of pure awareness. There's a stillness there. Uh, There's a peace. There's a grace. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, you're learning to live in that space and you're coming from that space when you do whatever it is that you do. What I think, and I want to um, hear you talk about this, my sense of awareness, my sense of pure being has no qualities because all the qualities are happening within it. Yours has no qualities. Everybody listening has no qualities. So awareness can't be described and located. So each one of us, our awareness is made of the exact same substance. Mm -hmm. If if that's even the way to put it. Substance-less. Substance-less. That emptiness we all share. And then the unique experiences, dimensions of your life, your mind, body, senses, history, memory, and my mind, body, senses, history, and everybody else's. The starting point then is not the separate self. And this is probably what you and I are doing at some... We're spending a year trying to articulate with words when it goes beyond words mm-hmm. is if you move to this pure being of I amness as your starting point, then your starting point is not separation, mm. but it's oneness. Mm-hmm. So then when I meet this person, my starting point is not how different we are. My starting point is, oh, look, another I am who's only ever been here and now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So then, what has it been like to be your particular I amness? Yeah. Ah, oh, well, I was born here. Yeah. Uh, I went through these struggles. Yeah. I I was conditioned this way. So you can s- so then you think about the earth. If your starting point is separation, there's me, and then there's this big planet, as opposed to all of this is unfolding within a cohesive oneness. Mm-hmm. The only way to actually rescue the earth is to first start with our bodies. But that will involve moving from separation as a starting point to unity as a starting point. Yeah. So the non-dual understanding is, of course I wouldn't harm anybody because I'm harming myself. Yeah. Of course I wouldn't mistreat the earth. I would be at some level mistreating myself because yeah. all exists as a unified whole. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see these, you can see nonprofits, you can see... Like humanitarian organizations, you can see uh, environmental groups, you can see groups working uh, against systemic racism, you can see all these groups doing all this great work, but until the giant shift moves from separation to oneness, from duality to non duality, yeah, until that, sh- then your trying to fix things in a system that's fundamentally starting from the wrong spot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and and spirituality should start with the aspect of all of us that that unites all of us and is the it should start with the what's what's the thing? What's the common element in in all these these separation and all these distinctions. We're we're all people with with different experiences and and distinctions, but what's the one thing that's the same in all of us and the and if you ask anyone are you aware? Are you aware? If they understand the question, they'll say yes, because they're aware of being aware. Everyone has awareness because there's no experience without awareness. So, so all the different personalities and distinctions and, and different way we live our lives, there's an awareness in all of us that's aware of all of that that's going on and and spirituality should start with that common element so start with the, what's the thing in me that's the same in you what's the, what's the being that we both share what's the what's the common element and we we both are aware we both have some sort of awareness there's there's Rob and Rob's whole experience and Rob's personality there's also an awareness that's aware of that personality there's Trace and the Trace experience and Trace ex, Trace personality there's an awareness that's aware of Trace um, and aware of all that. And, and that awareness, like we were talking about, has no quality. It has no distinctive character, characteristics or attributes. So if something has no quality and no defining characteristics or attributes, there's actually no way to differentiate it um, or, or individuate it because um, <laughs> if it has no, no uh, qualities or no characteristics, you can't say it's different. So th- there's this awareness that's no quality. It's the same no, it's the same awareness. It's the same no- nothingness in, in, in each of us. It's the, it's truly the thing that, that unite. And I, again, I hate using the word thing for, but it's, it's truly what unites all of us. And it's the this, this same, um, element and, and just, just real quick, cause earlier you were talking and I just, just thought of this, um. Lots of times this, this teaching can kind of be be misinterpreted to sort of um, escape or dissociate from the personality. And this is, this right. is no. This discovery is actually something that makes the personality more vibrant and makes the person yeah, more vibrant. because if we believe that our identity is solely confined and limited to just this body um, and just this just this body and just this mind, then we're interacting in life in a very defensive way. We're constantly, mm. we're in constant danger and we're at constant threat of, because if our identity, our identity is constantly under threat if we believe it's just this body because these bodies and brains are temporary. And if we've associated our identity with just these bodies and brains, we're interacting in life in a defensive way because we're constantly trying to defend ourselves. Um, and we're, we're, um, we're interacting in a way that's, uh, that's constantly under threat and in danger, but if we protect, preserve, make sure that I can't let this thing get uh, diminished. But if we, if we really sink in and discover our nature as, um, that what you were talking about is that infinite indestructible, um, awareness that's actually, um, is, is totally imminent in experience, but beyond experience at the same time, it's actually free from experience. No experience can actually damage or hurt this awareness, if we discover ourselves as this awareness, we're then actually interacting in life and interacting through these personalities in a a less defensive way. We're actually interacting in life now in an open, free um, way, which makes the personality um, and the person so much more open and vibrant um, and loving because now we're interacting with experience with this knowledge that what we actually are at the heart um, is actually something that doesn't come and go and is always right here and can never actually be hurt by experience so it's a way this discovery is actually something that makes our lives more fruitful robust like robust, let's go, go
0: for it make it follow yeah. it yeah. go back to school yeah. do it
1: yeah because now you don't have your inner, you're, you don't have um anything to lose you don't have your identity you don't your identity isn't at threat of being lost or mm-hmm. or going away once you understand yourself as that which always is, and this awareness that's always constant, always present. Um, so this is not taking us away from life or, or, or uh, dissociating us from life. It's actually bring, making us, throwing us more into experience and, and making us more, um, living from the heart more and, and more open. Yes,
0: absolutely. Now, to, uh, uh, two things here at the, to wrap it up. I want to end by you doing the thing that you do on dreams, which I have oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Okay. But let's do one more thing here. When you and I talk about this, because the modern world is stuck in its head, people are way jammed up in their brains, disconnected from heart, from pure being, we've seen this again and again, we've noticed that people are really like, well, you know, um, that's nice, but Carl Jung said, collective unconscious, et etc." et cetera, which is all lovely, but people often respond based on the same old materialist paradigm that your brain produces awareness. Yeah. Um. And our education system is stuck in its head. Our political system is stuck in its head. A, a good chunk of the religion that people have been exposed to was completely stuck in its head with mm-hmm. doctrines and dogmas completely disconnected from the I amness" at the center of, of this experience. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think how best to get at this. You have talked about and... Um, I have read extensively on how near death experiences people talk about their being operated on by the doctor. And this is documented like hundreds yeah, and there's, hundreds, there's thousands there's like of Millions of near death experience um, cases. People have talked about floating above their body, being able to observe the doctor walk, working on them. Mm-hmm. The number of people who have been medically, clinically brain dead. And yet later they can recall the experience and what the doctor said to the assistant, what the nurse said to the assistant, what the nurse said to the doctor, can recall conversations family members had around their bed Mm -hmm. with precision. Yeah. And so what we know from the evidence is that the brain is something happening within this larger experience. Of being you in the same way that your body is something yeah. happening within yeah. you. And for so many people, imagine some of you may have had a reflexive instance at different points when you and I have been talking over the past hour. Um, what that, that part of you that wanted to protest, <laughs> um, as a general rule, what you and I have observed is it comes from an over-attachment to the mind and seeing the brain as the yeah, center of the self.
1: Yeah, and the and the brain is obviously a beautiful aspect of this experience. Absolutely and, and necessary for the nervous
0: it, system and thought, et yeah, cetera, yeah. Obviously, it's
1: it's a it's a very important part of this experience. But the brain is not creating this experience, and that's a right. very important distinction. Yes, the brain is something that's very extremely important and something that we need to keep safe because it impacts our experience. But that awareness, that sense of presence is not something that the brain is creating. The brain is actually something that unfolds within that awareness, within that sense of presence, which you brought up um, near-death experiences, which I think are an awesome example because um, near-death experiences have always fascinated me because people have their their brains and their bodies are, like you said, clinically dead. Their brain activity has completely ceased, and they're they, are, they are essentially by the doctors are pronounced dead. There's no brain activity, but they report having visceral experiences. They report having deep experiences of bliss, a sense that everything is fine in the end, um, a sense of of complete just bliss and fulfillment, or meeting relatives, or they're having really, really peaceful um like deeply peaceful that that go beyond even like the peace that we can just think about. Like there's just a peace, um, like an existential peace in these experiences. Um, that, that and these experiences change their lives. Now, what always fascinated me about this is their brain activity has completely ceased yet they're reporting having the most visceral, intense experience that they've ever had in their life. And there's the thing that they're most sure about is that I had that experience. So who is that I? What is that I that's having these deep experiences despite the fact that the brain activity has completely ceased and the brain has stopped functioning? That I is not something that's being created by the brain or relies on the brain because that I is continuing to have and experience despite the fact that the body and brain have ceased. Um, and these experiences are so beautiful because they they are like a form of awakening experience where it actually changes these people's lives after they've had these near-death experiences. So who is there's an I that's having that experience, and the thing that they're, these people are most sure about is that I had that experience. <laughs> who is that I? What is that awareness <laughs> that had that experience? And how that awareness is not something that's re, that's relying on the body and brain the body and brain are simply something that's happening within it. And that's why near the experiences completely perplex a society and culture that believes that that awareness and that eye is just residing on the brain. Because they're like, how are people, how are brains, you see this, it's really actually hilarious how science is like near the experiences, like we can't figure them out. Like, how, how are people reporting experiences? Well, it's because it's based upon, their paradigm is based upon. Um, this belief that what we are and that this awareness is coming from the brain. So if you believe that this awareness is coming from the brain, near-death experiences make, don't fit into that paradigm, yeah. but it's because it's built off a faulty premise, which is that the brain is producing this experience. And so you can see in a culture that has gotten
0: an over-emphasis on the intellect, well, then the neuroses are just piling up by the day from anxiety to despair to worry to how many well how many of you listening um you'd give anything to have that voice quieter in your head the self-doubt the overcritical the imposter syndrome the feeling like a for all that brain that just revs and races and worries and stresses and regrets well we're living in a culture that got stuck in its head but then now think about the moments of greatest peace, joy, transcendence, oneness, connection. They're generally moments
1: when the mind was calm. It wasn't that the mind wasn't engaged, it's just the mind was calmed. Mhm. And yeah. uh, just real quick, I I love the when people say I just want I just wish my I could figure out how to get my mind to quiet down or I just wish yeah. I could get. But that that that's I, I love when people say that because it's it's demonstrating yes. that there's an I that they're <laughs> yes. separating yes. the I and the mind there's yes. an I that wants the mind to quiet down. you know so it's so people that are like as, directly associate their identity with the mind, you're on your way already they all, they're, they're, you're on your way already yeah. because yeah. there is you're a you great. that wants the mind to quiet down and there's a there is a you that wants your thoughts to subside and that, that there's a that you that shatter. wants yeah there's a desire yeah.
0: that exists outside of your being. Yeah, it's deeper, fuller, wider. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, let me do a thing on... Uh, well, I sh- we, in, in relation to what we just said, the idea then that you would be born on a date, die on a date, and that would be the sum total of who you are is completely absurd, naive, and actually quite destructive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but what's fascinating to me is how, once again, the wisest ones in every tradition were very comfortable with porous boundaries between this life, dimension, planet, whatever you call this, and other ways of being. So you think about for thousands of years, and this is not being irrational, primitive, barbaric, unscientific. This is facts of the human experience, mediums, channels psychics angels supernatural there has been a uniform human witness to the presence of selves that aren't limited to this particular body bone blood space-time continuum mm-hmm. um, you think about the yogis who I'm here I may go I may come back this this yeah. ancient tr- tr- uh, idea of a the, the silver thread that connects them to this, this plane. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about uh, the Apostle Paul. I don't know whether to stay here or depart. You think about, oh, I mean, obviously the resurrection of Jesus, which is laughed at in the modern world as like silly primitive religious stuff, or you could see it as the ultimate in heightened consciousness, mm-hmm. awareness of a self yeah. that isn't confined.
1: A resurrection of a new identity. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yes. Presence. Yeah. Um. A presence and absence. Absence and presence. Yeah. Um. So let me do one. Let me let well, me start a thing on the dream, and then you jump say, in.
1: Or I was just gonna say the like one of my favorite lines in the Bible, which is when Jesus says, "Before Abraham was born, I am," and how Jesus is pointing to that I amness is something that's always here, and it's actually something that precedes the body. Jesus, before Abraham was born, I am. That I amness, that sense of awareness, um, is actually something that precedes the body and is something that the body unfolds within. Um, and it's just such a it's such a poignant, simple, beautiful line before Abraham was, I am. I am. And that that I amness, what is Jesus referring to when he refers to that I amness? That that I am. Um and yeah, it's awesome. So wait always we see, here, always now. Oh, um,
0: So, when you sleep. Okay. Yeah. And you have a dream while you're sleeping. If I'm in a dream, I'm having a dream while I'm sleeping. And in my dream, there's a tree, there's a frog, there's my third grade teacher on a bicycle, whatever that stuff is that happens in Mm -hmm. dreams. In the dream, it appears to me as though I'm separate from the bicycle, the Mm -hmm. rock, the tree, the frog, the lake, and my third grade teacher on a Schwinn bicycle. The dream feels real to you. The dream feels real to me. And in the dream, these separate objects all feel separate. Yeah. yeah. Something
1: other than me. That's what makes it feel real, is it feels like there's a you in the dream. There are qualities. Yeah, qualities. And then there's things outside of you. And distinctions. Feels, that's why it feels real. It feels like there's, there's yeah. a bunch of separations and distinctions. So you think about all the separations and distinctions that could happen within a dream. And yet the
0: dream is made. I made the dream up in my mind. In
1: my somewhere within me made the dream up the 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 actual if you looked into that dream and you said what is the thing that unifies all the separations and distinctions in your dream it's actually you because you are the one creating the dream so the whole dream is actually you and if you were to say what's the substance like when you get ingredients in the store
0: when you look at something in the store and you look at the ingredients to see what it's made of if you were to say to me. What's your dream made of?
1: I would say whatever it's made of, it's all the same stuff because it just got cooked up by me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so in your dream, if you were to walk up to a tree, like a beautiful tree, you're gonna feel if you if you're believing that it's a if you're still believing it's a dream that you're gonna feel separate from that tree. It's gonna feel there's like there's me a you, and there's the and tree. There's a tree. Now if you were in the dream to realize that you were dreaming, if you were to wake up to the fact that you were dreaming. That would be seeing that tree would be radically recontextualized because now you would see that tree as you. You wouldn't see that tree as something that's separate from you. because I made the dream because the whole dream is is you. made of me because so, I made it. So by definition, anything that's appearing in the dream is you. So there's a fundamental oneness to the dream and actually waking up to that oneness. Um, so in 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 spirituality, the the term awakening, you hear the term awakening and and wake up. Um, there's, there's waking up is used in spirituality because it's actually waking up to the fundamental oneness and the fact that your own being is one with everything that, that awareness, everything in the, every, the common element in a dream is that it's all appearing in a dream. It's all appearing in you. Now, if we go that taking to the waking state, to real life, the common element is that everything has appeared within awareness. Everything has appeared within your, your awareness. Um, and waking up is waking up to the, the fundamental oneness Of everything and the common element the fact that everything is actually you a projection of you and there's a there's a oneness to all the separations and distinctions so to you our listeners our friends
0: think through the moments in life that were the most peaceful the most joyous the most harmonious the most meaningful the most satisfying the most rich and robust they were moments that almost had a conspiracy to them like Almost like you were touching on some sort of wait, wait, wait. Is this whole thing connected? Yeah, is this whole thing there's one? There's something more here. Yeah is Is there actually this? Is words like sacred and holy? Is this whole thing just a bit of separate parts that leads to isolation, which leads to always to despair, or is there some similar substance of which it is all made? And yes, there's destruction and separation and violence. And yet, that's all, is that all actually happening within something that is cohesive, unified, seamless, and one? Yeah. So when you have those little bursts, that's called waking up. Yeah. I love it when the first time you said it, it's if like the just the appearance of separation in a dream that is actually all the separation is taking place within a oneness is literally like the metaphor... it the, You live the metaphor yeah, every, every night. <laughs> you live the metaphor of the experience yeah, when you're awake.
1: Yeah. It just, once again, just demonstrates <laughs> the ingenious design of, of reality, which is like there's a perfect metaphor for, for the you. oneness of the... You every night the you go to sleep. Night. Yeah. And you actually look forward to it, too. You look forward to sleeping. Um, oh, man. Okay, I got one
0: more. Okay. Just to, to la- la- land the plane. Okay. Perhaps you were listening to this entire episode and... You were like, wait, 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 no qualities, all qualities, everything happening within something in which everybody is already bound together in by something. It's like water. Everybody's already swimming in. But then within that, there's all this individualness and expression and distinction, something that is beyond time and yet active within time something that is all distinctions and qualities and yet also has a vast, spacious, stillness, emptiness, and love to it. And
1: and transcendent and imminent. Transcendent and imminent, yeah. Near, far. It's it's free from experience, but yet you also look at your experience. Awareness is totally um, imminent in your experience as well. All we know of experience is is what's appeared in awareness. That's all we have. So if you were
0: listening to Trace and I talking about this and you were like, wait, what, huh? And then you also realized we gave you no dogmas. We gave you no doctrines. We gave you nothing you have to believe. There's no confession you have to make. There's nothing you need. We were simply inviting you, especially those of you um, who see your, you're a facts person, you're a logic, I'm more of a science, I'm going to see... The, all of you, I'm talking to you right now, all we did was name facts of experience. And yet some of you were like, good God, are we, were you talking about God the whole episode? Because <laughs> if we were... We did not start from something you're supposed to believe. We did not start from something magic mythical. We did not start from something Something, that some people believe or some people don't. Or
1: something out there. We actually started from right here.
0: All we did, we started with Young Trace. All we did was make a series of observations about this experience we're all having. And yet what these experiences point to is a vast, paradoxical, loving still, peaceful, be still and know that I am presence, substance, love, that all of this is happening within. Just saying. (laughs) Grace and peace, my friends.